wonder if I can invite you open Bibles, please, to 1 John chapter 4. Mike read that a few minutes ago to us, and I'm going to go back to it. Same passage as last Sunday. And I'd like to push a little deeper. In the coming weeks, we're going to be talking about uh, heterosexuality. We'll be talking about homosexuality. We'll be talking about singleness. What I've been trying to do is create an opportunity to understand the call to live in relationship with God, who is love. And so what I'm, just a little preview, we are so focused as a, as a country, as a culture on genital sex, as though sexuality is the thing that forms us and holds us in highest places of esteem and which are most meaningful. And what I'm trying to do over these first four weeks is to just say, no, the fundamental thing is to live as people who understand that God is love and we live in the circle of love. That's where police in which we live. Therefore, it affects all our sexuality, maleness, femaleness, and all the variations that we have today in culture. It affects singleness. It affects everything. But we've got to go back to the beginning, which is fundamentally, it is not about genital sexuality. So we're going to spend four, five, five of the eight weeks about this fullness of understanding. And today I want to go after God is love, and therefore we live from that with each other. Now I'm going to, let me, let me just, this is a, today is a Right to Life Sunday. And let me just give you the complications of how we live as people of love in this. So this, I'm a pastor for 43 years. Let me tell you the people of our church family for 43 years in California and Iowa on Right to Life Sunday. Sitting in this room over 43 years are people who have known what an abortion is, male and female, primarily female. There are people in this room who have been raped by their dads, in this room this morning, who were raped by their fathers who had an abortion. In this room, over 43 years, there are abortion providers who have worshiped with God's people. There in this room for over 43 years are men who have forced themselves on women, who have coerced women, who have manipulated women into sexual relations, which leads to pregnancy, which leads to coercive abortions. On a typical Sunday, on a Right to Life Sunday, I look out over the congregation over 43 years, and there are so many stories of so many kinds about so many things connected to abortion. But I want you to come back to where we're starting. We need to begin, before we talk about abortion, genital sex, any of those things, we've got to start in the circle of love. This is why I'm just beating this horse. Another week. God is love. So what does that mean to all the people I've just described to you? What does it mean for God to will in the good of all those people? And what about the children who are now in heaven with Jesus? This is a really big and broad conversation. And we're going to go talk about these things in the coming weeks. But the thing I want to come back to you is, if it, it, so let me, let me just go to sexuality for just a minute. I'm going to use phrases in the coming weeks like we need to be honorable, be respectful, be celibate, be chaste. That's everybody. 
when that will explain in context. But the goal is to be women and men and boys and girls who understand we are loved by God because God is love. Therefore, and I'm gonna get to this in a few minutes, we do not use each other sexually. We do not abuse each other sexually. We do not let the lust of the flesh drive how we live with each other. We do not let the pride of life overpower those with whom we are superior physically and we use sexually. We have to understand that fundamentally we live, if those who are in Christo, in Christ, we live in the circle of love. And therefore, listen now, we don't want to be loving. No, we want to be people of love. Therefore, I will never use you sexually. Therefore, I will never force myself on you sexually. And that's how we are to be with each other. And so we're coming out of this place of agapao, the circle of love. It affects everything genitally, but it's not fundamentally about our genitals. It is about the relationship we share as eternal beings. Remember last week I said God is love? That is his essence, not his identity. So here is your essence. Listen to me. Your essence is that you will live forever. You are an eternal being. Every one of us. We live on this planet for a few years, and then we leave. And you will live, all of us, will either live in heaven or hell forever. We will live in a place. We are eternal beings. I am not gay or straight or this or that. We can identify whatever we want. You, listen, your essence, you are an eternal being. And how you and I live now has effects all through eternity. And that's what we're talking about. Being people who live from the circle of love. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. One and three, three and one. And they are a circle of love and acceptance and joy and all of that together. Therefore, how we live as genital Christians should be different than how the world lives as genital Christians. Because we have been clearly instructed how to live. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and give it to you abundantly. Living life the way Jesus has called us into a agapao, the circle of love, affects all our relationships. With permission, last week, a young woman who's been wrestling with pornography. It's interesting, usually we talk about men in pornography, woman pornography. So she and I have been walking together for some season. And, well, let me just go to the slide. Can I have slide number eight, Jim, Jim? We're going a way different direction than the last service. Here we go. So, a minute, I'll, I'll really explain this. We are called in 1 Corinthians 14 to pursue love. We are called to follow after love. We are to chase love. We're to live from the circle of love. How do we do this? So this is, this is what I'm going to talk to all of you. This is my conversation with a young woman wrestling with pornography for about four years, and she is being freed from this, but this is the process we've been in together. So how is it we pursue love? How do we live in the circle of love? How do we live from the circle of love? How do we live, treat each other with grace, respect, with honor? We, we are pursuing God who is love. What does that mean? We exercise trust in God. For this positions us to receive his good gifts. So I tell you this story with permission. This young woman who's been wrestling with pornography for, for some years, she is learning to who her God is. Now let me ask the question I asked you last week. A.W. Tozer quote, the single most important thing about us is what we think about God. 
So when our son died, the image I have shared with you is I believe the Lord is my shepherd. So as I live that out, exercise trust, let me play it through. The Lord is my shepherd. I do not want, meaning I have all I need. He makes me lie down in green pastures, I trust. He leads me beside still waters, I trust. He restores my soul, so I can trust. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake, for his name's sake. He leads me the right way. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, why? Because I trust in my shepherd. He prepares a table before me in my presence of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord because, because the Lord is my shepherd. Now watch, stay with me. What is your image of God? So for this young woman, she is learning to believe that her God is trustworthy. Next step then, so this young woman because she's living, learning to live from trust, she's choosing to die to herself. She's choosing not to use porn and self-stimulation for her sexual expression. She's then, next then, she's creating space in her heart to receive the love of God, the agapao. But notice sequencing. You have to exercise trust. So, so often when hard things come, we think, oh, no, 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 no. What if we step back and said, this is an opportunity for me to learn and choose to trust. Because the more I trust, what's your image of God? The more I trust, I can then say, I will die to myself. I will die, I will die sexually, let's go there. I will die, I will die to myself. I won't watch porn. I'll die to myself. I won't lust after a woman. I'll die to myself. I won't go to a massage parlor in Des Moines and ask for more than a massage. I'm going to show trust. I'm going to treat every woman as a sister and see her as beautiful woman, daughter of God. And all of a sudden, my sexuality is changed because I trust in who God is. And I die to myself and I'm being filled with the reservoir of the love of God. And that changes how we are sexual beings. But we're living in a culture where it's, doggone it, I'm not going to die to myself. If I want to watch porn, no one's going to stop. If I want to use something, I want to go out and get drunk and I'm going to have sexual relations with someone, anyone. No one can tell me. I'll come to church on Sunday and I can just sing and I can just sit there. I can be bored to tears. Whatever. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And we don't understand that what we're losing is we're losing the capacity. We're losing the space. We're losing the place to be filled with this love of God which passes all understanding. And that's what we're trying to poke at together. So when we, this young woman, is like, I'm watching her life change because of this sequencing. Well, we'll get there in a second. Open your Bibles, please. First John chapter four. That was a long introduction. Mike, may, Mike maybe just one song at the back end. We'll see. First John four. I'm going to read, read it through, and I'm going to point out how we are to relate to each other. 1 John 4. Dear friends, Mike read these verses to us a few minutes ago. Let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves God has been born of God and knows God. 
Whoever does not love God does not know God because God is, what's the next word? This is how God showed his love among us, and Mike talked about this and we prayed about this. He sent his one and only son into the world so that, here's the purpose clause, we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. If we love one another, God lives in us, his love made complete. This is how we know that we live in God and he in us. He's given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in that person, and they live in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us, so that, another purpose clause, we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. In our relationships, we are to be like Jesus. Therefore, there is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he's given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love brother or sister. Now let's go back real specifically how we are to relate to each other. This is gonna move us forward to the next three weeks into sexuality. Verse, uh, here we go. Verse seven. Dear friends, let us love one another to will and do the good of the other. Why, how? For love comes from God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the circle of love. End of verse eight. Whoever does not know love does not know God because God is love. Verse 11. Since God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Verse 16. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. So then, implication, we can love each other. Next phrase, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Verse 17, the last five words, six words, in this world we are like Jesus. Verse 19, I'm sorry, verse 20, whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he's given us command. Anyone who loves God must love his brother or sister. Now, why am I hammering this? So in, we go into singleness in, in, two, in three weeks. What, one of the things we're gonna talk about together is that we have to be create a family of brother and sister. Now, this gets really complicated, I understand that, but just let's stay with me. We develop a community where we see each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. So if you are a single person in this room today, you need to know you are as important, as significant, as great in, in the kingdom of God as any married person. And we have created in the church, may I say this? This. 
Married is the deal and single is not. And you're going to see in the next couple weeks, that is wrong. That is wrong. What did Jesus, I'm going to paraphrase Jesus quickly. Jesus said, whoever gives up whatever for the kingdom of God is going to have brothers and brothers and sisters. He's going to have all kinds. What's he talking about? He's talking about people who are deeply connected to each other, but it's predicated on love. Everything is predicated that you know you live from the circle of love. God the Father, God the Son, God the, stay with me, stay with me. You cannot, I'm reading this quote, you cannot be separated from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus, your Lord. If you know that, then you can trust. If you can trust, you can deny yourself. If you can deny yourself, you can be filled with the fullness of Christ and you can love. And then all of a sudden we become family that is safe and caring and loving and gracious. We respect and we honor and everyone is a part and welcome here. But that's, but do, let me, do you feel that now? So let me take you to the new heaven and new earth. When Jesus returns and establishes Revelation, book of Revelation, new heaven and new earth, listen to this, from every nation, tribe, and tongue, take the one flesh unity between a husband and wife, one of heart, one of soul, one of spirit, one of body. Stay with me. You relate to every single person in the new heaven and new earth in that way with complete agapao. And we will be brothers and sisters in the circle of love. And there'll be no abuse, and there'll be no abortions, and no rape, and no overpowering, and no whatever because we live in the context of the new heaven and the new earth in the circle of love. That is what we're asked to participate in now. Just imagine if we acted this way in our little towns of Pella, Oskaloosa, Newton, wherever we're from, can you imagine what would happen if us, I think I'm going sexually here, if no person interacted with us would ever in any way feel diminished, leered upon, abused, persecuted, or sexually molested, what would happen to Pella, Iowa if that's the way we lived? What would happen? People from around the world want to come here because they would experience not a taste of Holland, a taste of heaven. And that is what we're aiming for. So let me give you a couple things to think about. Um, so back to number three, Jim, I'm gonna jump around just a little bit. Slides, here's three. This is, this is, this is my sentence for the next couple of weeks. Follow, it comes from 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. Follow the way of love. Now, we talk about the way now. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, there's a wide road and a narrow road. Remember that? Wide is the road that leads to destruction. Narrow is the road that leads to life. Follow the way of love. So I want you to, give me the quote about Jesus being misunderstood, Jim. I can't remember who that is. Look, look at this quote. Jesus, people thought Jesus was nuts. Why? Why did so many people misunderstand Jesus? Because Jesus is walking a different road. 
He was walking the road of love. So what did Jesus say in the Sermon on the Mount? Wide is the road that leads to destruction, which is what? The road of not trusting, the road of not self-denying, the road of using each other, abusing each other, running over each other, neglecting each other, leaving each other. And what did Jesus say? I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. He is walking the road of love, and everybody thought he was nuts. When you start walking this road, people are going to think you're crazy. What's wrong with her? What's wrong with him? It will be, it will, in, in one hand, it'll be, it'll, people won't know what to do with you. In the other hand, people will be, why did, every, why did all the sinners want to be around Jesus? Why? Because they felt in him agape. Who was trying to kill Jesus? The religious people. So, slide is that, Jim, it's... Uh, Nine, slide nine. Look at this quote. If the Gospels are read objectively, it seems that most who encountered Jesus misunderstood him, not because they were stupid, but because he operated from a different paradigm than they did. Jesus lived from love. And so can I just ask you to think about this? Who do you know? It says, in this life, we are like Jesus. Who do you know who lives like that? That bottom sentence? Can you name a person, a friend, family member who lives a life of love? Do you have someone? Let me just ask, how many of you have someone in your mind? Just raise your hand. You have someone? Okay, some of us do. Does that mean you don't have someone? Or you're not participating? But then push. How many people you know seem so different? Not because they're strong in their political opinions and they're wealthy or whatever category. How many people you know are different because you sense in them so much love? And those are the people who quietly, subtly, in hidden ways, change the world. Am I speaking the truth? Well, let's go back to the sequencing I talked about. Slide number eight, Jim. So this is, this is the specific way to how, we're gonna talk about this in the coming weeks. How do we pursue love? How do we follow hard after the way of love? So the first one is, back to what I said, I've said now five weeks in a row. What is your image of God? So, so forgive me, umbrella of mercy. Somehow, I'm just begging you, in your heart and mind, Identify who your, your God is. Be clear. I think, you're, I think you're going to need scripture. Be clear. Who is your God? That affects now the sequencing. I can trust in a God I respect or love or honor or have been loved by, cared for, or blessed by. It's fair? But if my God is angry, distant, far away, punitive, whatever, why trust? Let me push. We trust our social media sources, many of us. We trust our favorite commentator. 
we trust our favorite person more than we trust Jesus. So since I don't trust Jesus, I will not die to myself. What I want, what I think is right, who I understand life, you better do it the way I tell you or you are wrong. You are messed up. You are nuts. You are crazy because obviously I know. Well, can I just say carefully at 68, I don't know much about anything anymore. One of the most famous theologians who ever lived, voluminous volumes, world famous, at the end of his life was asked, what is it you believe? He said, Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Hold the thought, I'm gonna take you now. Now, I'm gonna take a little different direction because I've been beating this horse of God is love and we are to be people of love, how? By choosing, exercising trust, by dying to self, the flesh, the desires that I have, and then I create space to be filled with more and more of the spirit of love. We don't want to be loving people. We want to live from the love of God. And then what happens is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. It just comes. Amen? But I want to go to something. I got one of our elders came to me last week after the service and, and shared some admonition to me and some redirection. And I want to read part of what was, was sent to me because this is very, very good. In the, so a couple paragraphs, hang with me. Listen carefully. If God is love, what does love mean? We think of love as easy to over-romanticize it. We think of Valentine's Day. We think of random character of kindness. We think about being patient when others are losing their cool. We think of Bible stories, and we think good Samaritan, and we think about Jesus on the cross. And then the elder says to me, here at third, we've defined, Kevin's defined love as to me, the will to do, the will and to do the good of the other. I appreciate this definition. Listen to the next sentence, because it allows true love to include boundaries. It means love sometimes has the answer yes, and sometimes the answer no. So, it is loving to say to someone else, I will not enable your addictions. It is loving to say, I'm gonna set a boundary that you cannot cross over. It is loving to say, when a friend tells me, you've been really crabby and negative at work, it's an act of love to call me out. The more we pursue the relationship with the circle of love, the more we have the heart and mind and love of Christ, and we more naturally discern what it means to truly will the good of the other. So last service, two people came up to see me, so this can be a bit sexist, but two women who were sexually abused at a young age. And they have lived with the scars of sexual abuse and one of them an abortion for years, decades. When I read that statement to them, they came up afterwards and wept. And another person, another person came up and talked about the same thing. To be loving is not to be a doormat run over by everybody. That's not... That's, to will and do the good of another. And sometimes the most loving thing is to speak a hard, truthful thing. But we do it in love. Now I'll go back to my slide, number eight. But it comes out of this. 
we have developed a trusting relationship with our God. We believe he wants for good. Last service we had a, last week someone came up who was in a real hard place with a, some situations with a child. And I read a quote from Dallas Willard last week that something like everything God does is for our good. And this family who's wrestling with a child with some health issues was brokenhearted, and I'm with them, brokenhearted. I don't understand. But to those of us who live, are living in a season of really, really hard things, can I just, please hear my heart here. In the midst of really hard seasons, do you trust in God? So for those in really hard seasons, hear my heart. I'm gonna quote scripture. The sufferings of this life cannot compare with the glories that will be revealed. And I said to this family who are rightly in deep pain, someday, 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 it's all gonna be right. But we gotta trust. Now we'll go back to sex, pointing to future weeks. If I don't trust that God cares for me and I can trust him with my sexuality, step two, I will not choose to die to myself. I will choose to express my genitals, my mind, whatever, however I want, and don't you dare tell me what I'm supposed to do. And then instead of being filled with love, I'm filled with anger, self-condemnation, hatred. If I have caused a woman to have an abortion, I carry that pain, she carries that pain, I've abused her, I've overused her, and there, there it all goes. We come back to, what's your image of God? I'm gonna push, everybody, listen to me, please listen to me, online, everybody listen to me. The most important, if I die tomorrow, this is what I want, I want to leave you with. Develop the right picture of your God and print it in your head and your heart. And you'll be able to live with trust. And you'll be able to die to yourself. And you'll be able to be filled with streams of living water. How about this? Number 11, please. I want to go after this one more time. And, and um, Remember, we are called to love somebody, not everybody. Just don't, don't blow me off real fast here. I'm coming back to the Shema when Jesus said, you'll love God and you'll love neighbor. I, I, I affirm, this, I get this from Dallas Willard. Dallas said, we can only love so many people. Our task is to be women and men of love for our neighbors. The old, Greek, old etymology of the word nigh bore, the neighbor who lives near. So for me, would you apply it yourself? My neighbors are Lane, Ellen Corver, Kyle, Clayton, Caleb, and Kurt Corver. Juliet, uh, Kelly, and uh, Macy Corver, seven grandchildren, 40 staff members, 
and some elders and deacons. I have 50-ish neighbors. And my first neighbor I live with. If you're a single person, it may be no, you live with these others. So listen to me. This, everything that God has loved starts with our neighbors. And I can't tell you how many preacher's kids have basically flipped off Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God because they watch their fathers and their mothers live hypocritic, hypocritical lives. Can I push a little bit since it's a serious moment? How many people from this town whose children and grandchildren have walked away from faith? And why? There are many, many reasons. But one of the reasons I hear such pain is my mom and dad were hypocrites. They're in church on Sunday morning talking to God talk, behind closed doors at our house. Some of those kids say to me, I never, I never saw my mom or dad pray out loud together. I can't remember, I'm gonna get a, give you a stat next week and I don't have it with me. In Iowa, the divorce rate is 46%, something like that. In massive studies of people where husbands and wives prayed out loud for each other, the divorce rate is one in a million. It's a crazy number. Why? What is that about? Remember the, story? Remember the story years ago I told you about when Bess Kuyper, I said to Bess, one of her old grandmas, I said, Bess, how can I can pray with anybody anywhere easier than I can pray with Lane? I was praying in the bathroom, the football games, praying with guys at the urinal. I can pray with anybody anywhere. I have a hard time with Lane. Remember what Bess told me? He said, prayer is more intimate than sex. And people who pray out loud for each other in specific, pointed, paying attention ways sense they are loved. Calling out dads, fathers, you pray for your children, your grandchildren out loud. Mothers, grandmothers, pray for your children, grandchildren out loud. Let the love of Christ be expressed in the prayers we offer. Single people, if you're, a couple weeks ago, we're gonna do, we're gonna talk about singleness. I'm gonna, I'm gonna apologize right now. For 30 years, unbeknownst to me, many single people have felt like second-class people in this church because we've elevated marriage. And I wanna apologize for that. Because you're gonna see in two weeks, St. Paul says, it's way better to be single than to be married. Oh, by the way, let's see, someone's initials are JC. Was he ever married? How do you do? We're gonna get there in a second. But we need to love somebody's. It starts with where we live and where we are a few, few people, and then what happens? Then the kingdom and love goes on and on. One more thing and then we'll be done. Um, Number 12, and then I'm gonna offer it to prayer. In all of this, one of the observations I'm making is we don't receive the love that people offer us. When, we, when someone offers you the gift of to will and do your good, could I invite us to receive it, even if it's not done very well? To receive it and say thank you? Thank you? If I pay attention. Oh, number seven. Look at this. 
If the overarching command in 1 John is to love, may I suggest that the first act of love is to pay attention. When you know someone is looking at you and someone sees you and you know they see you, what begins to happen in the interchange of person to person? And often the first act of love is to actually see the person. And if we've been trusting, and if we've been dying to self, and then we are being filled, the reservoir of love is being filled, we can walk around and the Spirit stops us, and we pay attention. Now remember, we love our neighbors, but we respect, and we honor, and we see Everybody. When people see that they are seen, something happens. So, would you come back next week? We're going to keep pushing this circle of love. We're going to push it toward, specifically, the heterosexual expressions of sex. I'm not preaching, but someone else will. Let's pray together. Lord, we want to say thank you that you are an amazing God of love, that you express love to us in ways deeper and broader, without condition, with an expansive heart that comes from the dance that you share, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So I pray that in the, the years ahead, the people who call themselves Third Church will be marked by love. I pray that we will be seen as a family where all are welcomed, all are cared for, all are honored. And yet we still live standing on the truth of who you are. Would you pray for someone in your neighborhood, someone who is part of your life now? Would you pray for that woman, that man, that boy, that girl, that this week, through you, that person would experience the love of God? Would you pray for that person now? now would you pray for yourself would you pray that your mind and your heart would develop a beautiful and attractive and gracious picture of who your God is so Lord in these moments would you pour out the goodness of your heart into this group of women and men and boys and girls And this week, in Southeast Iowa, would those who meet us know we are Christians by our love. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.